Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Landon Tengwall. I'm Jim Galante. Landon, another week, another bit of news with NCAA football. Before we get started, how was your weekend, and who exactly were you entertaining for the weekend, Landon? Yeah, I had a great weekend, Jim. I had a couple of buddies in town from high school, uh, a couple of guys that play uh, college football at other places, Michigan, Monmouth, uh, and it was it was State Patty's Day here in uh, State College, and for those that don't know, uh, that is when, you know, back in the day, I think it was mid-2000s, uh, St. Patrick Day fell on spring break. And the students weren't too fond of that. So in protest, they created State Patty's Day uh, to have a little bit of a celebration the weekend before spring break. Uh, So it's a fun weekend where everybody dresses up in green and gets festive. So I had a couple of friends coming to town. It was a good time. Okay, do not bury the headline. You've got a Michigan guy in Happy Valley. I did. I did. He was he's he's like six, eight. So he was every he was getting a lot of stares and uh he, he he was given a couple go blue chants. So I, I had to I had to I had to shut him up a little bit a couple times. <laughs> well, that's all right. He, he's not happening to hit the transfer portal anytime soon, is he? I don't know. I'm, hey, I'm talking to him. I, I'm, I'm always I'm always trying to recruit guys. <laughs> all right, very good. Let's get to the rest of the news this past week, Landon, from the world of college football, and I want to start with. A quote, you sent me this, the quote from Nick Saban this week, which I think got a lot of play, but it's very interesting. Let me go to the quote so we get it exactly as is, straight from uh, Nick Saban. What we have now is not college football, not college football as we know it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete, that doesn't exist. I want to see the players have a great quality of life and be able to create value for themselves. But we've gone to uh, nobody talking about education, nobody talk about creating value for their future, to talking only about how much money can I make while I'm in college. What's your take on that? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Saban's wrong here. I mean, obviously, we know what what this is. I mean, Saban's a, he's an old school head coach. It's been around for a while. And he pretty much proved everything he needs to prove. And I, I think when the NIL era really came about, Everybody knew how much, how, you know, how many gripes he had with the whole situation. Uh, and and most of these college coaches, they do express that they they wanted us to get a little bit more. And I think they have to kind of say that, considering these guys are taking home almost ten million dollars a year. I would hope you advocate for your players to take home than more than a, just a you know thousand dollars stipend check a month. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those things you kind of have to just get used to the flow. You know, the game's changing very rapidly. And I think we're seeing a lot of younger head coaches, you know, kind of getting the nod. Uh, even in the NFL, too. I, it's starting to be – I feel like this big shift in coaching where a lot of these old coaches are starting to step away. And it's that new Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, very uh, Mike McDaniel, you know, creative mind, uh, just doing stuff that people have never seen before, that type of stuff. And then, obviously, in college football, where, where we're talking NIL um, – you know, the, the whole landscape just changes what it seems like is every other week at this point. Uh, and I just think these these older coaches and like I said, someone who Nick's, you know, Nick Saban's caliber, who's, you know, completely proved himself. It's kind of like 
I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's not even it is. It's it's not it's not uh at all amateur football. It's essentially NFL B league at this point. And I think that's even what we're headed to uh, even more. So as we start to get into like salaries and as we hope NCA takes some reins on this and, and turns it into uh, something a little bit more structured, but I, I see Nick's Nick Saban's gripes with, with the game. And I think a lot of older coaches have the same issues. I, I think you're right. And we've even seen a couple times where coaches, have left college football for the NFL because they don't want to put up with some of this, these things that go on with the transfer portal. You now have to re-recruit all your players every year. Um, the thing, and Nick Saban, got to call him greatest college football coach of all time, right? And I know at Alabama, there's certain advantages there, but still he won year after year for, you know, what, a decade, decade and a half. However, here's the but I have when I hear anything from Nick Saban. The way the game was played until NIL, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, they had an advantage over every other team in the country with facilities, uh, the amount that they pay for coaching staff, all those things. It was still about money, but it was just distributed a different way. It went to facilities, to coaches, went to everyone but the players. And Nick Saban had the biggest advantage, Landon. But when all of a sudden a Texas A&M or an Ole Miss has a chance to compete because of NIL, because they can now actually outspend Alabama possibly, it sounds like Nick Saban's going to take his bat and ball and go home. Am I being too yeah. harsh? I, I think so, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But I, at the same time, yeah, as you mentioned, it kind of evens out the playing field. These other teams that before, you know, before NIL were middle of the pack, Texas A&M would have a couple years where they'd be okay. But, you know, if, if they have the right pieces of someone like Texas, uh, Oklahoma, start to compete a lot more because they have the ability to pump that money into their program and really even, you know, even out that playing field with, with Alabama versus – if we kind of continued on with the trend that we were at uh, where there was no NIL and it was really Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and then maybe Ohio state, Michigan. And that, that was kind of what it was. And it didn't really look like it was changing too much. So if you're a fan of, you know, new teams in the playoffs and uh, different types of competitions, I mean, I think kind of where we're headed is really fun. It just evens the playing field out a lot more for, for all these college football teams. I think you're right. I think it does create more uh, more parity. But now we have another ruling comes up this past week where the NCAA, they chose to go after Tennessee and with the uh, allegedly the violation is trying to draw players there, uh, which you can't. The rule was you couldn't use money to NIL money to induce a player to go to a school. We know it was happening everywhere. The attorney general of Tennessee, I think, uh, took this out, and there's an injunction out that says, hey, wait a minute, you can't restrict players like this and not let them have, you know, a school or uh, a collective induce them to, uh, to go to a specific school. So how do you feel about that rule? It just says 
hey, it's okay to do what we were we know people were doing anyway, right? Yeah, I think that's more of a we were pretending that no that nobody was doing it. It, it was it was kind of a dumb rule. We know every single school is letting their players know how much they're offering uh, b- beforehand before there's any type of deal or signing or commitment. Uh, so I just think the rule doesn't make much sense. You know, imagine going to your workplace, interviewing for a job, and they say, "All right, you know, you're going to start in a couple days, but we'll we'll tell you how much you're going to make once you already started." It's like th- that doesn't make much sense. I, I think the 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 courts of Tennessee got that right, and once again, the NCAA just keeps getting their butt kicked in, in the in these courts, Jim. I, I I don't think I've seen anyone with a worse record in court. So they're they're, they're getting pounded. Well, like I told somebody else before, if if you had been betting against the NCAA on all of these court rulings, you'd be a rich man now just betting against them. So, yes, you're correct. If it's going to be happening anyway, you know, uh, just put it out in the open. So the question becomes, Landon, you know, what now? Is it like, you know, Nick Saban says there's there's a problem now? Is there something that needs to be fixed? Yeah, I think there needs to be some type of structure. Um, I was talking about this with Jeff Byers for a while the other day. I think college football and the college football playoffs, they know it's just going to be constant change over these next, who even knows, you know, five to seven years. That They're only scheduling the playoffs a year in advance. Uh, these brackets could change. Uh, the rules of NIL could completely change. There's just so much just, just fluidness. Uh, in in what the NCA is doing, I just think the quicker they're able to find some structure uh, and basically implement something where everybody's following a clear set of guidelines. Where you know back b- before NIL, everybody knew what it was. Violations were clearly set. If you stepped over that red line, you you know you're getting tagged, uh, and, and it, everybody understood that. But now it's just we're in a world where no one understands w- what's really right, what's wrong. Am, am I breaking a rule? Uh, so I think the quicker the NCA finds, uh, you know, a, a structure where they can have just a just a book book of rules for whatever they want to move towards, whether that's salaries, but you know, lead the player players unionizing stuff like that. It's I think that stuff's going to take a while to to go into effect. So I, I mean, I think we're going to see the NIL era around for at least another two to three years, which I'm sure many uh, college football fans aren't aren't super happy about, but. Well, I'll give you my take. I I don't think NIL matters, okay? I don't care if the player's making 10 grand or 10 million. Just get on the field and play. Where I have a problem or an issue is I wonder if the transfer portal is going too far. Now, I understand it's related to NIL. People are drawn and I understand the court saying there should be no restrictions on NIL, so it'll be tough to put in any rules there. Here's the gym plan, and I want to know from you as a player what you would think of this. And I think you and I talked about this kind of thing a little bit. What if when a player comes out of high school, signs with a school, there's a contract, and they could choose either to sign it or not, but the contract would say you as a player – are going to get $100,000 a year salary, but you've got to commit for three years to the school. Now, you could choose not to sign it, essentially just be a free agent all you want, but you won't get that $100,000. But this way, the transfer portal kind of goes, at least there's some consistency. I bring you in, land in the play, 
you're obligated to me, the school, for three years, but I'm obligated to pay you $100,000 a year. Now, if some people, I'm sure, will say, oh, my goodness, $100,000, that's a lot of money to give a kid. Well, if all 85 scholarship players chose to take that, that's a total of $8.5 million, okay, for an entire team, the whole team. Mm-hmm. How much is Coach Franklin making a year, Landon? Right right around that number. Huh. Huh. So you mean I could have an entire 85-man team paid for the same amount I pay just the coach alone? Now, I'm kind of stalling here. I'm stretching this out to finish the segment. So you could think about it and at the start of the next segment respond to it. And the other part to it is, as a player, you could choose not to sign that commitment. You don't get that money, but you then have the ability to be free agent, go in the portal after one year if you want. But that would be the risk you would take. When we come back, we're going to get Landon's response to my plan. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Landon. I'm Jim. We finished quarter number one with the gym plan. Going forward, Landon. Just a quick recap, I say players sign a three-year commitment to the school. The school signs the same thing, commits to the player for three years at $100,000 a year. If every scholarship player chose to take it, that would total, on all you say, only $8.5 million. They're spent. They're making a whole lot more money than that. We all know that. And the player's... They don't have to sign this. They could choose not to, not get that extra salary, but in compensation, they, they can be free agents every year. Like the, they could hit the transfer portal anytime they want. Landon, your thoughts. I, I think this would help out the transfer portal issue a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people, at least I know, uh, would want to be locked in making that secure money. Uh, but then there's obviously the flip side of kind of coming in and betting on yourself. Hey, I can come in at, at a school, make an impact, and then go somewhere else and make a make a big chunk of money. Um, so, you know, it would be interesting. I, I would also find it interesting if in, in, your, in your plan, Jim, it, would it be public knowledge or not to the fans? Because if someone comes in, and I, let's say I'm in love with this recruit, but now I just found out he didn't want to sign the three-year contract and he, he's betting on himself. Well, now I'm a little worried, and I don't know if I even I want to cheer for him as much. I'm, I'm worried that he's going to get out of there and, and leave my squad. Um, As a fan, I don't think so. I think it's kind of the – because my opinion is it would only be the, the star who would bet on mm-hmm. himself. Now, remember, that doesn't restrict you from NIL money. 
So you could make the hundred thousand, still make as much as much as you want mm. from NIL. Okay, so that's still part of it. And after three years, you can then enter the portal. So I think there's still a lot of freedom. As a fan, if some guy thinks you know superstar, uh, you know I mentioned Arch Manning, who mm. you know probably, and I know a lot of it is because of his name. But if you are so confident that you are going to make more money, NIL, the hundred grand doesn't mean anything to you. You would rather have your uh, free agency available. I don't think it's any different than, um, you know, in baseball, a lot of players, do they choose to sign the extension or do they wait it out for free agency? I'm a New York Mets fan. Pete Alonzo is the biggest star on the New York Mets right now. And he's got one year left on his contract before he could go to free agency. And he's simply saying, I'm going to wait till I'm a free agent. Trust me, Met fans love him. And, you know, Nick Singleton, I don't, if he would choose this way, I don't think Penn State fans would have a problem. They would just be saying, hey, Penn State, make sure you pay him so he sticks around. I do think that, that that's a fair point. I, I agree with your rebuttal, Jim. And I, I think overall, this is a really good idea. I think the quicker that the NCAA can get to some type of contracts that it is that are locking guys into some years uh, is just that's going to be the better for everybody involved. Um, I think there's also a lot of push. Something that people don't think about is from these families, you, you, these people's parents. There's, you know, people don't always have their their kids' best interest at heart, or whoever's deciding for them, and might be, you know, we we've seen this a lot in sports and, you know, in the classic sports movies, it's always the dad that is causing problems and stuff. And I've heard about problems like that, you know, around NCA where they're, you know, Hey, you need to go to this school, try to get as much money as possible. Uh, this and that when in reality, it might be better for them to stay at the school, their school they're at, finish their degree, uh, that, that type of thing. So there are, you know, outside influences on guys also to want to go get as much money as possible but maybe it's not really the best situation for you to actually be going into. But hey, they they offered me an extra, you know, fifty thousand dollars. And then, by the way, none of it's really legal binding. Let's say you come in, it's not the best situation. It doesn't pan out. You're not probably seeing all that money. I've heard a ton of stories, and like we talked about, there was a couple of kids from Texas A&M that took to Twitter saying that they weren't paid any of their money. So it's almost like if you don't go and perform, you're not seeing that money anyway. So it's it's a pretty big risk. Well, and the thing that I'll get now give Nick Saban credit, I do believe that he has the player's best interest at heart. And you brought up a great point. I think a lot of players who are so quick at the drop of a hat to hit the transfer portal, they are getting behind academically. There's issues there. And some people will say, well, you know, they just care about football. But The fact is, most collegiate football players are not going to play in the NFL. And if they do, it might be just a year or two. And that's why, you know, I think if they're paid a fair amount as collegiate players, where the school now, the school's making the same commitment to the player as the player is making to the school, I think both sides end up winning. And like I said, I think people who say, these kids are already getting room and board. Which, by the way, when you and I talked about this last week, that was the counterpoint I brought up to you. But the fact is, and you brought it up, it's a billion-dollar industry, Landon. I think that they should uh, be willing to pay. Now, my question to you is, as I presented it, 
$100,000 a year, three-year commitment. Out of 85 scholarship players, how many players do you think would choose that versus choosing, hey, I get free agency after every year? I think you'd see probably out of the 85, 75 guys. I think you'd see around 10 guys, you know, give or take each year, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I think you'd want to see a lot of those guys lock themselves into those secure contracts, uh, you know, know they're safe at a school. And that's kind of my question, too, is does this turn into if it really turns into free agency? Do guys kind of start to get maybe pushed out a little bit more than normal because there, you know, there's so much turnover and you're able to pick up a lot more guys in the past. If you got somewhere and you weren't good, you didn't pan out, you were at your obvious, you're absolutely secure. They're not going to get rid of you, but where we're headed right now, where it's, it's not amateur football anymore. I mean, we're, this is pay to play. If you come somewhere and you don't pan out and it's year three and there's no chance of you making it, you know, on the field for this team or contributing in any way. Why? Why keep you? Especially if you were maybe a high four, you know, high four star, maybe even a five star. They're paying you a ton of money. Do I want to continue to pay this guy, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this last three and four years, or do we send him on his way? So I think that's another thing to think about where this, how this could be affecting players negatively. Well, here, here's the thing again with the deal. If it's three years, especially the way it's set up, and to James Franklin's credit, he's always, I believe, talked to you about getting your degree in in three years. Mm. So you do have the opportunity for that. You have three solid years in the same program. So none of this, will the credits transfer or not? But after three years, you now as a player have the freedom to move on. But I think the school should then be allowed the right to decide whether to renew the contract or not. So, but both sides get three years. So I'm feeling like, as a fan, Landon, I don't, like I said, I don't care how much money you make. You know, hey, more credit to you if you could get the money. What I don't want is you to leave me. Don't abandon me, Landon. The guys who come in, I follow recruiting. I follow you coming in as a true freshman. I heard about this great lineman coming from Maryland named Landon Tengwa. I don't want you to leave me after a year. And this would give me your commitment for three years and my school's committing to you for three years. What could be better? I agree. I, I think I think it's a great plan, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I, I think you'd see just a couple guys, and it would probably be bigger name guys because you don't you'd obviously don't know what happens. I think we'd see a lot of quarterbacks not lock into those contracts uh, just because you know Arch Manning or someone like that signs that contract uh, and they're not able to get out of there. Although it looks like he's uh, staying around, um, you're not able to to, to get out of to get out of a bad situation. Uh, but I think for the most part, you'd see any, you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, a lot of those guys, maybe a couple big time wide receivers probably wouldn't, would, wouldn't want to bet on yourself uh, and not lock yourself into to any contracts there. But I think you'd see the majority of the team want to take this type of con, you know, type of contract from, from the school. So I'm interested to see how the NCAA goes about this. And I hope they're listening right now, Jim, and putting this, putting this plan into place. Well, I want to offer my services as the new commissioner of the NCAA. But uh, in all seriousness with the question, even like you mentioned quarterbacks and how many five-star quarterbacks end up being a major disappointment. And, you know, I'm, and, and you know what, 
I think at 18 years old, you're old enough to make a decision for yourself. And if you choose to bet on yourself that way with the free agency, more power to you. But I'm not sure it would be a smart decision. Very Again, Arch Manning has the advantage of his last name. Mm. Okay. But I'm wondering if we go back the last, and maybe this is an exercise I'll do, go back and look at the top 100 players, you know, the guys who think of themselves as the stars, how many of them probably would end up saying, my goodness, I should have taken the deal. Yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of them, but at the same time, I mean, there's it depends. Like you, we talking about quarterbacks. I, I guess it just does kind of depend on that name coming out of high school. And I think with with social media, with the world of NIL, it's easier for these guys to get paid a lot more right away. Um, someone that came to mind that was interesting was you remember Tate Martell? He was like, yes. the, yeah, he was one of the most winning quarterbacks in high school history at Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas, uh, and then went to Ohio State, and then transferred around to Miami and a bunch of other schools. And he, he just kind of popped into my mind as someone who maybe you get to Ohio State and get locked into a contract like that. You, I don't know, he never panned out anywhere. But where I'm going with this, he was a huge name, you know, number one, number one player in the nation, I think back in 2016, 2017. Uh, do you, someone one like that, I mean, would you ever lock yourself into a contract if you're a, say, top 10 player? Because even if you don't pan out somewhere, I think so, uh, another school is going to want you right away uh, and will probably still pay for you even if you didn't pan out just because of that five-star name that goes with it. So I guess that's what I would – you know, if you're a top 20 recruit, would you even think about signing anything like this? You know, that's a great point, Landon. And my thought is, okay, you know what? As a player, you should have the ability to make that decision for yourself. And if you do, but I think as a fan – if I feel like you mentioned like 70, 75 uh, out of the 85 players on scholarship would probably take it. I feel pretty good about that, that seven out of eight of players on my team are going to be around for three years and not hitting the portal. I feel that would create that consistency that's really harming the game itself, the fan uh, experience. And I think it would make coaches a whole lot happier, too, if they knew there were only a handful of guys who could hit free agency. All right, that's it. Landed for quarter number two. We got lots more to go. Stick with us. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Landon. I'm Jim. It's quarter number three. Landon, let's shift gears here to a topic I know you and I both like. How about that Penn State Nittany Lion Hoops team? Two nice wins this week. How about it? 
Yeah, Jim, they're they're killing it. That uh that Illinois game in Rec Hall was something else. Uh, I mean, down I think close to around eight eight nine points with fifty seconds left. I think a lot of people turned off their TVs and said, "All right, you know, I'm, I'm headed to bed." Uh, and then next thing you know, a couple steals and a cu- couple buckets. Puff Johnson uh, w- working hard for some uh, for some steals and then put put the uh, layup in. Man, that was that was a really fun game to watch against a really talented Illinois team. Where they had a fantastic score at guard there, so uh, that that was probably one of my favorite games of the season so far. I think it might be my favorite. They were exceptional. What a great ending! And I'm with you. Like at the end of the game, I'm like, all right, I I I was looking. I think it was ten points at two and a half minute. You know, hey, I lasted this long. Let me and. Now, some of those wounds were self-inflicted by Illinois, but it takes nothing away from the performance by Penn State. And the fact that it was this rec hall game, the noise was different. It was an event. And I got to think that works its way down to the team, that it was special, partially because it was at rec hall, Landon. Yeah, I think the team definitely feels that support from the community. Uh, it's way different. I saw a picture from from the game the other night uh, at, against Illinois, uh, and then the game against Indiana in the you know obviously in uh, in Beaver Stadium, not excuse me, not Beaver Stadium, uh, BJC, and it just doesn't have the same feel. It's not as close. Everybody's kind of sat back. It's not as crowded. It just not as loud. I think, and I saw a couple proposals about this. Put some renovations in the rec hall, make it even a little bit nicer, and that's where we play our basketball games. I, I think that's the best environment for our team, uh, and something that would allow us to uh, everybody's a fan base to, to kind of just get in there. That's I think the wrestling matches are so intense because of where it's at. Uh, obviously, we know the history of rec hall and and what what that means to Penn State. So I, I don't know. I'm a huge advocate of getting us. Uh, full-time in there for these basketball games and kind of leaving the BJC behind. Okay, now you want to hear the gym plan for basketball? Let's hear it. You, are, you, already, you already implemented a couple ones today, Jim. Let's, let's see what else you got. Okay, I took care of NCAA football. Now I'm going to take care of Penn State basketball. One of the th- uh, I would love to have all the games at Rec Hall. I think that's it's just a better venue for it, like you said, closer and louder. The problem is the capacity is 6,500. The capacity at BJC is 16,000. Now, the basketball team doesn't get 16,000, but even if they get eight, 10, that's three, 4,000 more than at Rec Hall. It's a huge hit, you know, financially. The sad thing is that's still only half filling, you know, BJC. So, what I propose is how about if they play at Rec Hall during the week? And the BJC on the weekend, because I think if you look and I have to go through it, but I think the crowds are bigger on the weekend where people like myself, I'm an an hour and a half away. That's difficult to do on a Tuesday night, but on a Saturday, fine. And I think the crowds are larger over the weekend, much larger. So there you go. Weekdays, rec hall, weekends, BJC. What do you think? Jim, I think you're out here brokering some some great deals, man. I don't know. You need, we need to get you out of here right writing these up. I don't know if you have any any type of uh, lawyer background or any, any law school, but I don't know, man. You're you're impressing me today. 
well, first I wanted the NCAA commissioner's job. Now I want Pat Kraft's job, okay? But <laughs> let, let's get back to the team itself. A couple nice wins this week, uh, Landon. It brings them to 14-14. I think any legitimate Penn State basketball fan would have taken that before the season. Mike Rhodes, kudos to him, coming in with like just an empty cupboard, having to bring in transfer guys, so on. But what I wanted to ask you about was he he dealt with another challenge uh, this past week, and that was the dismissal of Kanye Cleary. Now, we they haven't made public what the issue was. Obviously, it had to have been some kind of discipline thing, but I, I don't want to speculate on that. But I want to ask you as a player at the collegiate level you played, how do you feel about it when a coach has kind of an issue like this with a star player, I mean, Kanye Clary was leading the team in scoring, very, very talented player, but said, look, whatever the issue is, we need to move forward as a team. How does a team react to that kind of uh, measure? Yeah, it does fully depend on really what's going on inside that locker room, which we cannot know what happened or really what occurred. Uh, so, I mean, certain times guys can be superstars for a team and they might be a nuisance to the team itself in the locker room and, you know, actually hurting it. I'm not at all saying that's what the situation was. Uh, but so sometimes guys can can react, you know, well to that, and especially a coach, Mike Rhodes, who's in his first year, can almost help you gain a little bit of respect. I'm going to be honest, when you – have the ability to look at your top score and say, you know, hey, th- this isn't how we're doing it. You know, wh- whatever happened, happened. Uh, but he said, you know, we can do that. We can handle this without you. We can write the ship without you. Uh, and it, they've done so, so far. I mean, this the, these past couple games have been really impressive. And one of my favorite things is this, the, just looking at the score sheet. It's just everybody is getting involved, especially these past two games against Illinois and Indiana. Uh, just just a ton of guys getting involved, people getting shots up. Ace Baldwin really kind of running this offense. Kanye Cleary was taking 33% of the shots you know, for the entire team when he, when he was in a game. Uh, and that, that's, that's a lot of shots to put up. I mean, the offense was definitely running through him. Uh, but to play devil's advocate, is it maybe better – you know, running through Ace Baldwin, getting you know Nick Kern involved a little more, Demarco Dunn. They've both they've all done a really fantastic job uh, in the absence of Kanye Cleary. So, if I'm a Penn State fan, does it hurt to lose your top scorer and someone you're really excited about? Absolutely, but it almost feels like this team is operating, especially on offense, at a little bit of a higher level, Jim. I liked what you talked about with the offense running through Ace Baldwin because I, I, I've talked with my friends about this quite a bit. And it's hard for me to say, oh, it's a better team without Kanye Clary because he is such a talented player. But if you watch the game, the eye test now, if they get a lead, they just put the ball in Ace Baldwin's hands. I'm pretty happy when the ball is in Ace Baldwin's hands. And towards that end, I think, you know, um, actually against Illinois, he didn't shoot well. He only had 10 points, but he had 23 against um, Indiana. But I think the bigger statistic to look at is in the last two games, he had 21 assists, 12 and 9. I think that's the big number, and that's because the ball, as you said, it's going through him on offense, Landon. 
He's just a playmaker. He he gets his guys, you know, good open looks. Uh, Puff Johnson coming off the bench, to, you know, two for three from from the three. Uh, you know, really helpful against against Indiana, getting that going. Uh, and then you know, Nick Kern has been has been coming on really nicely too. And I think we had a lot of I think we had a lot of talent in that in that uh in that front court yeah, at our guards. And it's it's allowed a couple guys to step up. Uh, that I don't think we're seeing as much playing time just because Kanye and it was really kind of the Kanye and A show. Uh, and then, you know, Kanye obviously moving on, allowed for a couple other guys to, to get their opportunity. So uh, sh- shooting pretty good from the three, too. I think that's – and we've talked about this, and it's we always say it sounds dumb. But, you know, <laughs> this Penn State team has to make their shots. If they don't make their shots, it's not a good day. They don't have the ability to grab a ton of, uh, you know, offensive boards. I think it's Indiana. It was one of the first times uh, this season that they actually won the, uh, the 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 rebound battle. So that doesn't happen very often here for Penn State. So they have to continue to knock down these shots. But with Ace Baldwin, you know, getting these guys open looks, uh, just being a playmaker, getting to the basket, getting you know, drawing those fouls. I don't know. I'm excited about this Penn State team, Jim. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying they're last year's team, uh, but they're uh, they got some talent and they're playing as a team right now. They are, and just to keep up that thought with Ace Baldwin, he's getting players open because you have to worry about him penetrating and scoring, but it it creates openings for the other guys who have to start making some of the shots. As you said, we always say, well, this sounds dumb, but they got (laughs) to make baskets. But I think the other thing is, especially over these last several games, that, you know, Ace Baldwin is getting Wahab some really easy shots. And Wahab, yeah, you owe him a cheesesteak or something, okay? You got to take Ace out because he is really helping your game. And that's the type of thing where it opens up so much for everybody else when, you know, Wahab is a threat underneath. You do have some guys like Hicks and, you know, uh, Brown even, you know, coming off the bench and hitting threes in some of these games. It makes a difference. And, you know, if I'm any team in the Big Ten, I'm not sure I want to see Penn State in the Big Ten tournament. That's what I'm thinking, Jim. I mean, these are, this is a gritty team. They, they're they playing good defense. Uh, they, they have started to rebound a little bit better. I'm, earlier in the season, we were talking about it. That was a big struggle. And there there are still times, I think, at a certain earlier on in the, in the Illinois game, the offensive rebound was like one to nine. Uh, and yeah. you, it just felt like we couldn't grab a board and we just kept getting second and third chance points. Uh, so that that continues to be a little bit of a problem, but I think they are getting better. And I think Wahab getting more involved, uh, you know, in the paint and ace getting him uh, so some great looks is allowing him to just honestly rebound better. And I just think these, these open looks are allowing us to rebound a little bit better instead of forcing up uh, some bad shots and, and guys being in position to box out. Uh, but I'm I'm excited, Jim. I, I like you said. I don't want to see this Penn State team. I'm I'm nervous playing them. This is a, not a for sure win uh, against any team. I don't care who they're going up against. Well, I like you mentioned Nick Kern in that Illinois game in the second half. There was a point where he just took over the game, and I'm not sure if you would have seen that if Kanye Clary was also on the court with Ace Baldwin. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have had that opportunity, and that's you know even even Demarco Dunn as well has had has kind of come on recently uh, and has been has had some really nice games. But you're absolutely Nick Curran, He was a ten for seventeen from the field against Illinois. Uh, definitely one of the reasons we 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 were able to take that game. 
uh, and a really talented, you know, Illinois team at number 12. I think another signature win for Mike Rhodes is great. And you can kind of tell that he's building a culture here. There's whispers around downtown, uh, college app. <laughs> People are excited about this team, Jim. Well, I'm going to give you one last statistic here to finish out the segment. Ace Baldwin, minutes played the last two games, 40. He didn't come off the court either game, uh, Landon. That tells you something also about him. Put the ball in his hands. He's going to run the show. All right, Landon, that's it for quarter three. We got a nice, interesting topic in quarter number four. Come back. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Landon. I'm Jim. And Landon, I'm kind of looking forward to this topic. We talked about it a couple days ago. And what's interesting, you remember several weeks ago, we did a show where we got a lot of good feedback where we talked about the player's life. You know, essentially, we went through the entire calendar year, how things go. What I'd like to do today is get a little more in depth into what are the players doing right now? Okay, Mm -hmm. it's not camp. It's not weekly games. We keep hearing, you know, some of the practices or training where we have the player of the position, you know, mm. what is the schedule like? Walk me through it. Tell me what the players are doing here in the February. Yeah. So the whole months of January and February and then very early March are kind of the same. Uh, so you get, it just gets a little progressively harder uh, trying to acclimate your body. So when you get back in January, Penn State normally starts around uh, January 10th, right around that area. Uh, and you'll have that first week off. Uh, not really supposed to be in the facility, only come in if you know, you're know you stretching or hitting the jugs, rolling out. Uh, they, they don't want you lifting too much because you just got done a five, six-month season. Uh, so it's it's pretty intense on the body. that You need to take some time to, to recover and rest. Uh, but then they get into you – no, know, you're, you're working out every day. One day is a running day. The next day uh, is a lifting day, and you kind of alternate. Uh, so it, there, it just depends on your schedule. Obviously, have classes in the morning. Uh, so you'll either lift lift or run before your class or lift and run after your class, whichever day it is. Uh, you normally lift three days a week and then run two days a week. Uh, and then sometimes you'll have a Saturday lift. It just depends uh, what, what that week looks like. Uh, but then start to kind of ramp it up when you get into early February. That's when early, early winter workouts come, Jim. Those are two days a week. Uh, every single school has in the country, they have eight winter workouts. Uh, and they're they're pretty intense everywhere. I've heard stories from other people. I've heard that they're worse in other places. Uh, and when guys always come, you know, guys will transfer in and you'll kind of ask them, you know, how was the food there? How was the conditioning there? So you, get, you always get to have those conversations. And uh, I've heard we have it pretty tough here, though, as far as our uh, 
strength conditioning staff. Like I said, you're up. Generally, if you live off campus, you got to get up about 4.15, 4.10 a.m. Uh, to get in that facility gym. You got to get put something in your body. And the worst part is you don't want to really put anything in your body because you're scared that it's going to come back up there <laughs> shortly in about an hour. So you, I, I was a big applesauce guy. guys. Guys will just go something really little, fruit applesauce. And then you'll see the guy that's eating like eggs with waffles. And it's like, oh, good luck, man. I, I don't think that's the right choice to make. Uh, so there's some of the, those are normally like Tuesday, Thursdays, uh, our, our winter workouts right now. And uh, those are those are conditioning days. So then you'll lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, and then have the weekend to yourself. Uh, they, you don't get a ton of time to yourself being a college football player. So in the offseason, they, they do their best to uh, to give us the whole weekend off. And you kind of have Saturday and Sunday to relax. And some guys even have the ability to go home. Like for me, I lived in Maryland. So if I finished a lift early Friday morning and I wanted to, you know, didn't have to be back till Monday morning. Uh, I would, you know, go home, enjoy some time with the family and then come back, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some guys that are doing that right now. Uh, and then where we're at specifically right now, we're late February, getting towards the end of winter workouts. Uh, you're seeing a lot of guys win those uh, MVP awards for their position. Each each winter workout, there's an MVP for each position. And it, it kind of allows people to understand you know the effort that guys are putting forth. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to start at a position if they win the majority of them, because it is it's if your physical attributes are better, if you're stronger, if you're faster and you're just winning the reps, you're probably going to be the MVP for that day. So say a guy like and there was a lot of fuss about this on Twitter, and I actually talked about this uh, on a couple podcasts on Tyler Donahue and a couple other guys that there was all this fuss. Bo Pabula had won, I think, three or four of the other winner workout uh, competitor awards for quarterback, I uh, you know classic Penn State fans not not to get at you guys and I'm one of them too now but just overreaction just galore I, I would I, I saw that I would see the post by Danny O'Brien and I, I'd be like let me just go look at, at these comment sections so I can have a good laugh uh not, not at all that Bo is he's a fantastic quarterback um and I like I said we've talked about how how much we enjoy Bo Prabula getting involved and we want to see him more involved and it seems like Penn State obviously wants to keep him around because of the quarterback that he is and I think Jualar, if he leaves after this year, you have a guy that you trust right behind him uh, to come and take the reins. But there, there was just this complete overreaction to to Bo winning all of them, and then I think Drew kind of came back and silenced everybody a little bit. I don't know if you saw, he won the most recent uh, quarterback competition award. So that's kind of what's going on now. Guys have a lot of extra time to you know hit the jugs machine, catch up on schoolwork. Uh, and then there's a lot of guys working on the nutrition. This is time where you know you're not beating your body down. Uh, camp, spring ball, that type of thing can be really hard to keep calories, you know, flowing in the body, keeping that weight on or losing it. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of adjusting of weights right now. As we saw, we just saw the the newest um, the newest depth chart come out that listed some new weights, and you saw guys fluctuate a little bit. So that's kind of the nutritionist will sit down with you at the end of every season, and you'll get in the bod pod. The bod pod machine will then measure your body fat percentage. You understand exactly how much muscle mass you have understand exactly the, the fat percentage you have in your body. And then you kind of go from there. And each position group has, uh, you know, a, they've kind of set a limit of where, hey, we want you in between, you know, 18% body fat and 24% body fat. And then obviously different for each position uh, and try to have their guys within that realm. And then, you know, specialize a little bit depending, depending on the player. Uh, but that's, it's a lot of, you know, fine tuning right now, still getting your body back under you. Because uh, we have spring break here, we have this coming week. 
we have spring break. Everybody's going off, enjoying wherever they go, Cancun, all, all those fun places, Jim. Uh, people, people are enjoying their pina coladas, getting ready for a spring ball that's coming up pretty much right as you return. Uh, so, so looking ahead, you're coming into – you come back from spring break, you have a couple days, uh, and then early March, first practice of spring ball, uh, and you get right into it. You have two days uh, of non-full contact. But you'll you'll still wear helmets. You'll have these uh, little spider shoulder pads on that are a little bit smaller. But you'll still be going through drills and just kind of getting back into the swing of things. A lot of team periods on air where you're kind of just going through a walkthrough, getting ready to to go against the, the you know one defense versus the one offense, two defense versus the two offense, uh, and starting to get back into the swing of things. Everybody's a little rusty, uh, you know, coming off that a couple months off. And but we we've talked about previously though the spring ball. And hopefully it kind of goes by the wayside. I will. I can tell you this: that players are not a big fan of spring ball. There, obviously, everybody loves improving their game, uh, but but especially guys that have you know hoping to play in the NFL for 10, 15 years, playing a whole nother you know fifteen, essentially fifteen games. I mean, these practices in spring ball are intense. They're three hours long at most schools. You're going ones versus ones, which you don't normally do in the season. Uh, one one defense versus one offense. That is. Uh, and it's grueling on the body. So essentially doing another mini season right after a six-month season, uh, it, players are not too fond of it. So I do think with this new NIL era, everything that's going on, transfer portal, this spring spring ball season and the spring game as the fans love it, I think it could maybe turn into more of a seven-on-seven-esque you know, type, type, type deal and a lot of more align and assign instead of clashing heads all of spring ball. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars, it'd be a little bit easier, I'm sure. True. <laughs> but uh, tell me about uh, on this nutrition side, where there's mm. obviously stories of players who either have to lose weight or have to gain weight. What's that process like? The guy who they want to build them up. Mm. What are you doing? Milkshakes, morning, noon, and night. How does that work? Yeah, well, you, you normally meet with our nutritionist Leanne, and then you also work with the strength coaches, Coach Losey and, and his staff. Uh, everybody kind of works together to understand. Hey, this is exactly what we need to do. Uh, everybody knows what's going on. Hey, this guy's planning. This is what this is where he needs to be each day. He needs to be putting a, a half a pound on each day. Uh, whatever you know, losing two pounds each day. Whatever they decide, uh, everybody under Coach Franklin knows. I mean, everybody is in the know. The position coach knows. Uh, so that's something that's communicated throughout uh, everybody that's involved with the players. So they do a great job. Uh, of really communicating with everybody involved. Uh, and then it's on the player, though. I mean, you have the ability. You have all these, you know, milkshakes, uh, nutrition bar, ton of snacks, access to, you know, food all the time. So you, you have the option to put good food in your body uh, and, and take care of yourself. But there's also guys, you know, people are making a lot of money now. You can go home and enjoy your Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, and you, you, I mean, you see it. You see guys. I mean, if people remember Eddie Lacy for the Packers uh, and then went to Seattle, kind of ate himself out of the NFL. There's some guys that really can't control uh, their weight. And it's so uh, sometimes that can happen. Thankfully, we don't really have any of those problems here at Penn State. Uh, but, but but you see it. But they do it. They do a great job here at Penn State. Like I said, the nutritionist, the strength uh, coach, uh, all that stuff. They attack it from from all together uh, and really stress the athlete the importance. You got to weigh in every single day, also. So when you're in the locker room, you go up to the type your little number and you have a passcode. That's then your face pops up. 
step on the scale, records it, you step off the scale, and you know, the number gets sent over to our nutritionist. And five seconds after you weigh in in the locker room, the nutritionist, you know, get, gets your weight for the day. And if it's not a good number, let's say you want it's a Monday morning gym. It, it was it was just St. Patty's Day this weekend, one too many, one too many baconators, then you might get a text a text from Coach Franklin. Well, you know, why are you you're supposed to be losing 10 pounds? Why have you gained five? Uh, so there, you know, it, it makes you be on your P's and Q's when everybody is trying to hold you accountable. So we definitely do a great job of that here at, at Penn State. And that weekend cookout comes back to haunt you, Landon. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about now, um, especially with new coordinators on both offense and defense, mm-hmm. how much work is done, uh, book work, the playbook, mm-hmm. how much of that is being done at this time? Yeah, when the co- when new coaches come in, they understand that we were just in an offense with Coach Yersich for three years. They're going to try to you know, assimilate their playbook as much as possible to Yersich's, not meaning they're going to take over his plays at all, but they're going to say, okay, hey, this is what I call inside zone. This is what you call inside zone. We're going to continue to call it, uh, you know, what you guys call it here because it's easier for the players. And, you know, he, you know, say Coach Kotonik, he's been around a ton of different offenses. Uh, he can understand and grasp, you know, the, just the language a little bit easier than making, you know, another 80 guys try to try to learn a new language essentially just make one learn not not to say that we're going to completely still use the same lingo but a lot of that lingo is is uh is collected by you know Ty Howe, Phil Troutwine they they kind of they meet as offensive staff and say okay this is what we're going to call this this is what we're going to call that so instead of having everybody all the coaching staff all the players learn something new it's you know have the offensive coordinator have the defensive coordinator adapt a little bit uh, to the lingo we've used, and it's kind of a mixture of both to help these guys uh, understand a little bit quicker and get going in these offenses, these new uh, defenses and offenses headed into spring ball. All right, very good. That's going to have to be the last word, Landon. Thank you for that little peek inside the program. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.